Good morning, afternoon, evening, good night, whatever time you're listening to this, and welcome to No Great Areas Podcast, episode three. I'm Lewis. I'm Denny. You can hit me up on Instagram, I'm L4 underscore TKD. And you can hit me up at Red Glasses Dude. I do need to change my Instagram handle, actually, that's not great. <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram, uh, our podcast uh, page is NGA Podcasts. Check us out, and we're now on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Um, so there's no excuse not to listen to us. We're on all your favorite platforms. Next couple of weeks, we'll hopefully get the camera set up, and we'll do uh, video as well for YouTube. Hopefully, my living room will be a bit cleaner as well. We've got birthday cards everywhere, and hopefully, um, in the next few weeks, hopefully, definitely within the next month, we'll try and get a guest on. Oh yeah, um, as well. Uh, try and try and get a few another opinion thrown yeah. in the mix as long as you're not a complete i'm going to use a controversial word retard uh, <laughs> hit us up if you want to come on talk about anything um as long as you live local to kind of london area uh we don't mind we'll meet you or you can come down to us uh, we're we're kind of west london based um so yeah if, if you do want to come on you want to talk about something if you think we're a bunch of idiots and you want to prove it then uh, then by all means head down but today we're going to be covering uh, a little breakdown of Brexit. Yep. Um, we both voted differently, both got slightly different views. Um, yeah, we're just going to discuss that, give our thoughts and opinions and uh, try and share that with you. So I'm going to kick off with just a, a little bit of history. Um, and actually, the, the EU is not, is not kind of, uh, it's not original. The reason why the EU is not original is because after the Second World War, we had we had something very similar. It was called the United League of Nations. Um, and it, it didn't really work. Uh, it collapsed, and then, uh, and then they tried again with the, with the EU, and this is kind of the second incarnation of it. Um, and how we got here was that the general consensus of the British public, and I think uh, going back, there was no question of leave or remain at this point, but the general consensus from the British public was that we weren't happy uh, as a country with the deal that we were getting with the EU um, and there was actually a big point I can't remember the exact amount but Britain kind of had to pay uh, a certain amount of millions and uh, David Cameron I think it was even billions I was going to say it's probably billions yeah it was I'm, I'm sure it was something like a hundred billion um, David Cameron was like no I'm not paying that I'm a strong prime minister I've got your back people you know we're not paying that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bat for you guys. I'm gonna make sure that not only do we not pay that, we get a better deal out of the EU. So he went and negotiated, and he basically got like a deferment period on paying the bill. Uh, I think they said that he'd not have to pay it for two years, and then he could split it. And he kind of outlined a, a few objectives that he wanted to get out of his negotiations with the EU, and he didn't get any of them. All he got from these negotiations was, okay, well, instead of paying this amount of money, you can pay slightly less and you can get a two-year relief on certain things, which none of those things were what, what he was aiming for. I would like to go into the specifics of it, but I don't actually have my, my the info in front of me right now. But the important thing is he didn't get the deal he wanted. And before he went and made these negotiations, he actually said, if I don't get what I want out of this and what the British public want, we will have a referendum on whether or not we're going to stay in, in or out of the EU. He didn't get what he wanted. He held a referendum. 
he was clearly expecting us to to kind of vote remain and in my opinion this is just an opinion he really wanted us to vote remain so that when people then complained about brexit or sorry not about brexit about the eu he could say well you had the choice we we kind of showed you that you can get a better deal than we've got now you had the choice as to whether or not we stay or leave you voted stay so we just have to put up with it i'm afraid i'll put the power in your hands and and this is what you voted for instead the vote went the other way it went leave and he didn't like it so he quit and even though actually I was a Tory voter, I was disgusted with David Cameron for that. Um, and yeah, I was I was kind of ashamed of myself for, for voting Tory in the last elections. I thought it was another one of his uh, thug life moments, to tell the truth. <laughs> like he had a few of those just during his time in Prime Minister. I'd have to put the link up for the uh, for his little thug life compilation. Um, yeah. Obviously, jokes aside. Um, yeah, I agree with regards. I just don't think. So what I will add is there was definitely like the referendum was was a Tory thing. It also was put about to solve Tory infighting since I think it's like John Major days. There's been like a lot of anti uh, EU, anti Euro um, uh, MPs within the within the. Tory party yeah. and my thing ultimately is I, I kind of think the politicians reason for wanting to leave the EU are very different to the people's and I get the feeling that again this is just my opinion a lot of the MPs a lot of the more old school people in the Tory party they're almost a bit colonialist like they sort of hark back to those days of you know uh, when Britain ruled the waves and they almost want to go back to that you keep hearing them talk about um, returning to the Commonwealth and our old past friends who they were never really great friends to um, mm. and all that kind of stuff and I think that is, I think a lot of those that like the, the politicians readings are very different to why the people voted um, uh, to leave um, so just on top of that so I voted to remain and I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I voted to leave. Um, although I, so, so my wife voted Remain. And uh, I'll tell you quite openly, I was telling people, I'm voting Remain. And I'll tell you why I'm voting Remain. And it, it wasn't the truth, but uh, I, I said to people, I, the reason why I'm voting Remain is because I believe that it doesn't matter whether or not we vote Remain or leave. I think they'll rig it anyway, and then we'll just be in. Sorry, I kind of threw you under the bus there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. To be honest, I'll stand by it. And and as I say that, 80% of my clients from my business mm. are not... In fact, 95% of my clients from, from, from my job that I do are not English. Okay. They're, they're European or from outside continental Europe. So yeah. um, I, I personally don't see that this will have any impact on my business. Mm. Um you know, none of my clients are going to be forced to, to leave the country or anything. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I think th there's obviously lots of different aspects of the EU. Yeah, I yeah. think one of the most heated aspects of the, the big EU debate was immigration. Yeah. And obviously in the last podcast, we talked about um, the question time incident where the, the white guy, the white British, yeah. white British male stood up and said, yeah. racism's not that bad in the UK. So... The the whole freedom of movement thing was a was a big 
issue with uh, with voters and the the general consensus was that a lot of people that voted leave were racists or like British National Party members yeah. or uh, UKIP members yeah um, and they had this opinion of oh all these bloody foreigners should go home yeah now what you think they should go home what are you saying no yeah. no I'm saying yeah as I agree that that's that was what a lot of people seem to think yeah which is interesting because a lot of a lot of those kind of less I'm not going to say people from the Midlands but the kind of perspective is these yeah, people are like well. out in the out in the sticks yeah uh, that are that are quietly racist, uh, really wanted these European people to bugger off back to their country or whatever. Right. A, a lot of those people, they're, they're racist against people of other ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. They're like, like I do remember seeing. I was going to say. I remember seeing an old white guy saying, "All these Asians need to bugger off back to their country." And yeah. It's like, yeah. Asia is not part of continental Europe, yeah. my friend. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, stupid. A lot of people saying things. I mean, I had someone who we both know. I won't. I won't. I won't say their name. Um, right on your phone and show me, man. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> I will do the bit. But basically, what they said was, they said, "Oh, so they didn't actually vote, but they said, oh, I was going to vote um, for. I was probably going to vote to." leave because all the refugees are coming over here and taking our jobs and it makes it hard for us but then I understand if I was in their position I'd want to do the same thing so because I couldn't decide I wouldn't vote and I just wanted to pat them gently and not to be patronizing but I didn't really know I just didn't say anything sometimes I just that's the best thing to do just not really respond so it's like there's no refugees like I understand uh like basically the EU doesn't have refugees you have refugees who come in but asylum is very different to immigration they're treated very differently my experience at the home office uh let me know that but um but it's one of those things that was just part of that whole miseducation that happened around that and i don't even know it was necessarily miseducation i think it was assumptions and people listening to a lot of pub talk and things like that but when you're talking about refugees and people people running away from things like that's not the EU that's people coming from further afield and yes they come through the EU but we take on a, that's not we're not going to because we're out of the EU that's not going to stop you know but I think a lot of people got that that stuff modded up there was a lot of people saying um again similar sort of thing to 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 to, to brown people Asian people saying oh now they're you they're going to go home and all this kind of stuff it's a really weird time it's a really weird time but uh, I don't think that necessarily represents the majority of leavers, to tell the truth. The no, pe- those, those kind of views, I don't. I think there was there was a lot of people who were also saying that they they didn't want unelected officials making up UK yeah. laws. Um, the, so so my view on the racism thing, though, on the the so the the, mo- the free movement of people, mm. and this is. This is maybe a controversial opinion. I just, might be talking about. Go on. You do know that the, the, that was that was a UK thing. That wasn't. That's not actually. There were actually laws and stuff already in place to control free movement of people that the British government never implemented. Such as, I don't know it specifically, but I'll get it up. While uh, you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Ha- have a look. So, yeah. so my, my thing is that the idea of the European Union and the free movement of people throughout the European Union is itself inherently somewhat racist purely purely for this reason if you say to someone that let's say you're describing someone you say oh they're european you're basically saying they're white 
there there really isn't okay you could maybe say mediterranean as a as a push to if you're going to describe someone's ethnicity and you'd be talking about countries like greece italy spain uh, where people have slightly more olive complexion but but generally even someone who's olive skinned as it were um those people are generally in the white camp and if you're from countries like norway denmark germany england you know or, or your heritage is from england you're white and what you've basically done is created a community of people who are all white and said you can all move freely throughout all these other white countries but if you come from one of these outside countries where your background is not white you have to apply obviously there are countries that are an exception to that like let's say for example america america is considered obviously a, a, an ethnically mixed country there's people from many different backgrounds that, that live in the states and if you're white american you would still have to apply for a visa to come over here and you you still have to apply for citizenship and all that stuff and obviously you'd have a, a better insight on it than myself with your previous work but inherently the only way to then control immigration your your net migration figures or your net immigration figures is to then put restrictions on people from other countries britain in its in its history and it's it's not a, a glorious history it's not a good history there's nothing to be proud of they went out and colonized the world and there was that saying that the, the sun never set on the british empire so countries like jamaica australia india these countries in africa like tanzania uh, kenya those countries I'm, I'm not sure about kenya actually i think kenya is part of the, the commonwealth i'm sure there's a few other uh, commonwealth countries in, in africa as well um, you know these these countries part of our commonwealth as part of the eu trade rules we're not given free license to to deal with those those countries and generally we have to trade within the eu which for europe is better and to some extent you could say for for britain it's better because geography means we're, we're closer however i think it's a bit harsh that britain who went off and inherently pillaged these countries for their natural resources or for uh, even for their manpower um, like India we during the second world war there was people that were dying of malnutrition because Britain basically took their food to feed soldiers and now we are restricting the movement of people from India to come to England and work because the only way we can restrict those numbers the the overall numbers is by restricting the numbers of people that want to come from india cause, yeah because yeah. we've got so many people come from europe yeah that's my take on it but there, there are so many other things i'm sure we'll get to them but my take on the whole racist view of it is that inherently the eu is racist okay um I, i've i've got the my rant gave you sufficient time yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't find the exact thing that that briefly goes through some of the stuff. But um, either I mean, for me, um, so just 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 to sort of state, my opinion has changed since we now we're leaving. I'm pro leave. Okay. Because um, first and foremost, I believe in democracy. Like yeah. it was a democratic vote. Even personally, if I want to, like, if I could go back, I may want to change the result. But going forward, if we had another vote, I'd vote to, to keep it as it is because I believe in democracy. Um, 
so all this sort of talk and stuff about a second vote and all that I, I think is a bit a bit long it's a bit anti-democratic it's a bit anti-democratic it, it um, there's no one I haven't seen anyone really sort of put across what the question would be um, I think the perception is that there were a lot of lies told during the referendum yeah, campaign I don't think t- and, and that's not even that perception that's fact right? yeah but who, what like these lies right this is the thing most people, okay, there's definitely some people who listen to some of the lines and stuff, but I think most people who were pro-EU, who voted to stay, would have voted to stay, and the most people who would have already voted to leave mm. were voting to leave. Ultimately, if you, if you are worried about, if you, if you were against immigration or you had concerns about infrastructure and all that sort of stuff, like things weren't lied. If you wanted to leave the EU you wanted to leave the EU. All this stuff like, oh, we were told lies and this. And yeah, there was a, it, was a, it, was, it was a horrible uh, campaign that was fought on both sides. But I don't think, for me, there was anything really that would have swung it either way massively for people. There was, there was a, in fact, oh, my days, I did hear one really stupid thing. I, I remember listening to the radio and someone said um, they were undecided. And then because Barack Obama gave an opinion... He hasn't got the right to come over here and give opinion. So they went opposite to what he said. And I was like, there are some stupid people out there. Like, to make, your, to make a judgment purely out of spite because someone else said something, like, that was dumb. But... Um, Slightly different topic, but it, it leads me to believe that there should be some kind of general IQ test that you need to take <laughs> before you can vote. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't get so many backward races votes. <laughs> To partake in a political process, mm. you don't need to have an understanding of politics. This is it, yeah, yeah. But but you want to have influence on the political movement of the country without yeah. understanding what it does. Yeah. Um, most people, some generally, people find politics to be quite boring. It's vastly complicated, it's like mm. stupidly so, which is why people generally switched off to a lot of the remain campaigns vote um uh, kind of advertising because it was it wasn't sensational enough and we live in a world where sensationalism is is key yeah uh, but actually there was there was one thing that i found really funny going to your second vote point mm. the remain campaign sent out a leaflet that ended up costing them somewhere like 11 million pounds yeah. on the 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 vote on the referendum and one of the quotes from it was you're being given a once in a lifetime opportunity to vote in the future of this country's membership with the with the eu i'll just say it again you'll be given a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah that's from the remain campaign yeah and now a lot of people who back that campaign are saying no 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 we should get another go at it yeah now to, to put it into context, as I said in the previous podcast, my, my family background, we're Scottish. Yeah. And I come from a family who have generally a little bit of discontent towards British politics. Yeah. And they believe that Scotland should, should be free to run itself. However, when the time came to vote, they voted to remain. And now, because we're leaving Europe, they're saying, no, 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 we should get another vote. Because yeah. we... 
wanted to stay part of Britain, mm. but that's because we assumed that Britain would be part of Europe. Yeah. And now we look like we might be leaving. I don't, they kind of have a point, but if you're staying, you're staying. If you're yeah. going, you're going. Yeah. As much as obviously, I don't live in Scotland, so I wasn't entitled to vote. Yeah. Um, in the in the referendum, had I have been given the chance to vote, I would have voted leave. But I'm not angry. I'm not upset that we that we overall decided to stay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You shouldn't be given another chance to to vote because all you're then doing is creating this idea of okay. The first vote went leave. The second vote goes remain. Then everyone that voted leave says, well, now it's one all. Let's do best of three. And then let's say the next vote goes to, to leave again. Mm-hmm. And then the remain camp go, no, 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 let's do best of five. Yeah. So, so during, when, I was, when I was leading up to it, I, I mean, as I said, I was, I was remain. I still believe we, like, for, for, for globally, we're in a better we would be in a better position to stay in um and the power we have within the eu made us quite powerful um we had veto rights and etc etc it's funny though because since we have left and they know we're leaving they are seem to be steamrolling ahead of a lot of plans that we would have gone against we would have vetoed um but there was a really there was a i can't i think it was like time out i read this in but this is this was the biggest thing I read a piece of information that made me question vote and remain. Um, so they were just speaking to people, and this was obviously quite an informed person. What they said was, so this person was um, voted to leave. And what they said was, for me, it's about democracy. I can't think of any historical examples where limiting democracy has been conducive to lasting stability or social justice. We've seen examples in Greece and Portugal of how the EU is able to counteract the democratic will of its member states. And to me, this is a deeply troubling precedent. Now, I couldn't argue with that at all. So I did almost swim, but then I thought, if I have to now start doing visas and shit to go to these other countries, I don't like filling out forms. So I voted for mate. No, Jake. But you do, for those people, so one of my students mm. uh, is of Thai background actually they've now got British passport Um, but at the time they had a Thai passport Mm. and we went to a tournament in Belgium so we had to go through France and Belgium obviously we're we're driving it was really simple process for her to to get a visa and the the process for getting a visa from the UK will be really easy as well yeah it will it will I mean I I go to America I go to the USA um, quite a lot because you're bowling yeah (laughs) (laughs) I've done my you know you do your Esther form it lasts two years um, however many times you go during that period of time and then you do it again yeah and it, you know it's, so I mean I'm only playing around but I do hate forms I wasn't playing about that mm. um, my, one of my biggest concerns with it was particularly with some of the rhetoric about oh how we were before and before the EU and um, and all of this sort of throwback mentality firstly like the UK was in a terrible state when we joined the EU financially um, I think they'd just been bailed out by the IMF or something around that time or quite recently. Um, uh, and when you're attached to something for 40 years, it's not so easy to just go back. In no circumstance can you go back. If it was just a normal wedding, a normal, sorry, a normal marriage, like yeah. 40 years have passed. If you got married at 20, 
you're now 60 you decide to get in the world you can't go back to being 20 my man I will be on Tinder at 60 I don't even care <laughs> my wife leaves whatever I'm back I'm back in the game so, I'm, I'm like pull me in coach pull me in <laughs> so this was so that was my thing it was like a lot of people are are um, have got these rose tinted glasses of this greater time the world has changed significantly the world's changed significantly and this whole thing of what what the thing for me was as well was there was no plan laid out and there still isn't this whole thing of this whole thing of um going reaching out to our commonwealth partners and la di da di da like it's it, it's it's fantasy land it's fantasy land there there's definitely ways to make money there's definitely way, ways to to um to for, for us to grow and be i don't think we're all of a sudden going to you know go into the dark ages because we've left the eu um but at the same time I don't think load of the uh, uh, countries that were ex-Commonwealth or part of the British Empire are all of a sudden become rich British consuming British goods consuming companies. No. The, the, the thing is, we've got, in terms of, in terms of our, our business in, in the UK... We do have a few German-owned companies, for example, that mm. manufacture cars in the UK. Yeah, those cars. Then I say manufacture. I'm kind of blurring the line. They are built. The parts are not built in the UK. Yeah. So, uh, Rolls Royce, who's owned by BMW. Yeah. Those those cars are built in the UK. Yeah. But a lot of the parts are obviously BMW, the the German parts, yeah. or even to be fair. Um, some of and Germany, some of their cars were even built, I think, in South Amer- in South Africa. Okay. Um, and with Honda, for example, they had a massive plant where cars were assembled in assembled, Scotland. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's it, a few. There's Nissan as yeah. well over here. Yeah. So there's there's this worry that you know that those businesses may leave. So one of the things that at the time when when the whole Brexit debate started, mm. about a year before there was something that I saw that was quite troubling. And that was that I think France and maybe Germany were pushing to impose a levy on um, trade on trades that were transacted through money markets. Now, one of Britain's strongest industries is finance. Yeah, yeah, I remember this, yeah. And if you talk about stocks and shares mm-hmm. to a lay person who knows nothing about stocks and shares markets and you say where where can you buy and sell stocks and shares a lot of them wouldn't know but if they did know they'd say the FTSE yeah they wouldn't say god I can't do you know what? I can't even remember the names of the German uh, or the French trade markets they're oh god I'll, I'll look them up but the only other ones that you really might say is the Nasdaq Nasdaq yeah uh, somewhere like that Maybe or the probably. See, so, yeah, so I remember the German one. I can't remember off the top of my head actually. So the German stock exchange is God. What is it called? Someone's going to call me an idiot for not remembering it because they've all got different names as well. Um, but yeah, obviously those countries, France, Germany, yeah, their their finance sector represents a much smaller portion of their overall GDP. Yeah, uh, GDP for anyone that doesn't know, it's your. Come on, Denny. Gross domestic product. Produce, yeah. Produce. Your gross. So, so basically, it's the the net profit of all of your industries that your that your countries have. 
so um so yeah so it those those kind of c countries stocks and shares trades and stuff like that it represents a much smaller percentage so if a levy was imposed on imposed on those countries it would have been far less significant now britain might say we don't like that but ultimately we would have had to adhere to it it didn't happen at the time but i was quite worried that it would happen at some point in the future so that that was one of my concerns that smaller countries i wouldn't say smaller countries because germany's got a better foothold on eu than britain did anyway they they had a an influence on obviously the way that our our politics moved now we're in a situation now where someone who i who i really don't like uh what the dax yeah, yeah it's the dax market yeah yeah that's it thank you very much Dan, for looking that one up um yeah the so so now we're in a situation where we are negotiating our divorce as it were from europe and i personally i don't think all these companies that i've mentioned previously are necessarily going to pull out there was a lot of talk of hsbc pulling out from britain even though hsbc is a world bank um, and i think big companies will recognize as well that obviously britain with obviously having the FTSE and stuff like that having decent financial industry that it, it does pay to still be in in the uk i think a big thing that's hit us in the short term is that financial markets really don't like uncertainty yeah and obviously we're going through a really uncertain time right now in the next three four years obviously there will be more certainty if you if you're a young person in britain this potentially is a good opportunity for you because even myself i'm in a position where in the next year or so i'll be looking to buy a home and i'm praying that brexit goes really badly and that the, the bottom falls out of the housing market and do you know what some people that might be listening to this might be going you selfish son of a bitch but you damn right i'm selfish i'm worried about me and my family like, like i, I want to secure a home for us yeah, and I've, I've just read an article today in fact that said that uh, a lot of young people even if they've got 10 percent for a deposit they can't still yeah, afford to buy I a house that as well. um the the average price of houses have gone up by nearly 200 percent in the last 15 years whereas wages have only gone up by something like 25 percent so I think it was 19 the figure said maybe yeah. yeah so something something like brexit could actually really help people in kind of our generation get onto the property ladder so i don't necessarily think that if you're prepared um it's going to be a bad thing but we're now in a situation obviously where theresa may is trying to negotiate our freedom as it were how do you feel about theresa may bro i don't think she has and I think this was the kind of thing with uh, even when she was Home Secretary. I don't think she has enough minerals. <laughs> yeah, she's she's she, to me she's a bit she's not savvy enough. Yeah, she's she relies too much on sound bites. You can definitely tell she has advisors, um, and to that's the uh, impression I get. She has advisors. She doesn't really, and she discusses things. Okay, um, she, and she's too stubborn. For me, she's a, she's a bit too she's a bit too stubborn. Okay, um, I'm not a huge fan. 
I personally think, though, with regards to uh, her and Brexit, I don't think anyone really would have done a good job, to tell the truth. It's a stupid situation, not because I voted to leave. I just think from the time the the result was there, I think, you know Gina Miller? She's the lady who took them... I can't remember the exact details. Basically, there was a load of stuff that went to went to one of the high courts with regards to making sure Parliament had a had an overall say. Because do you remember that? Yeah. Right. So she said a really good quote. She said, "Even though she voted to leave, uh, sorry, even though she voted to remain, um, and she's almost like the face of the Remain campaign." She said a really good thing. She said, "The day after the election, or the day after the referendum, we were all leavers. So we all really needed to pull pull together." to get the best deal yeah now one of the things i think is kind of strange is the winners uh the leavers there's a lot of people there's that sort of rhetoric oh even let's just leave now let's let's um let's uh hard brexit hard brexit we want to dive off the cliff edge it's cool i've got my diving equipment on and all this um all that kind of stuff i, I do think the vote was so close and because it isn't an election where we're going to get another chance in four years Mm-hmm. For the sake of pulling everyone together, for the sake of having unity in the country, for everyone for, for, for trying to negotiate uh, the best possible deal you could get, I do think we should have moved to the middle ground to sort of better represent the people um, a lot quicker, a lot sooner, but still have the line. So, yes, the main things were immigration, uh, uh like the high courts thing, like having control of our laws, yeah. and let's say the top three things that people, yeah, make sure those things are in, in place, but also at the same time, um, move other things more to the middle ground, like make sure business is stuck, you know, make sure, as I said, we don't have to, you know, make things as simple as possible. Yeah. But I think because you've, it's, it's, you've, you've had these politicians who have, who, who, who essentially want to remain, and you have these politicians who, don't care how we leave they just want to leave they've become figureheads for each side of the campaign and they've kept the argument going like we're leaving like that was a democratic vote i hate the term will of the people so that's why i'm not using that term because to me it's not the will of the people it's 50 52 percent of voters yeah will of the people that voted yeah um so but the democrat the democratic uh, result was that we're leaving so let's leave. It shouldn't be oh, trying to figure out ways to remain. It should be trying to figure out ways. How can we bring the country back together? How can we um, uh, stick to the referendum result, but get people to understand that this is a, a, a big issue and it was a very, very close result. It's almost split down the middle. So to just do, to do a hard Brexit isn't necessarily representative of what's best for the country, or what the country wants. But as I said, there's been these figureheads. I think it's a lot of people serving their own agendas. Um, yeah, I and mean, they've, they've kept the argument going for like something that doesn't really shouldn't still be going on. I mean, my so uh, okay before Brexit, before mm. Theresa May came to power, I hated her guts, and she's like pretty much my local MP. Yeah, 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 she is. Yeah. So I say pretty much. I live right on the boundary line. Yeah. So, so technically, I don't even know if she. I don't think she is. I think if if I lived at the end of my road, she would be my MP. Yeah. I really didn't like her. I dislike her less now. Okay. Only reason why, Cameron, little bitch, in my opinion. 
um, for, 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 he was literally like, all right, people, so I'm out. <laughs> See ya. Um, so yeah, I, I think she was, she was given a really crappy situation to deal with in the first place. And she actually, she was actually a Remain uh, MP. Like yeah. she, she was pro-Remain. Um, and I, my personal view on how the Brexit negotiations have been going is, I think, accurate to say pretty bad. However, I think Brussels really don't give a damn as to whether or not we're happy because ultimately they're like, well, you're leaving. And they want to make it as difficult as possible for us to leave because as soon as we voted to leave, there was a lot of hoo-ha in other countries. <laughs> hoo-ha. I just used hoo-ha in a sentence. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> I sound like I'm born in the 50s. Um, from other countries. And they were saying by like far right or, or you know, nationalist um, uh, political groups pushing for referendums of their own. And they really don't want that. Obviously, if, if someone jumps ship, fine. But if everyone jumps ship, you've got a problem. And you need, obviously, you need as many member states as possible. And to, to that extent, you know, they were talking about bringing Turkey into the EU. Yeah. And the, the... I don't think that was ever really likely to happen. I think it was. I, I think, I, and I'll tell you they, why. Because they have all these rules and, 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 and stuff that they need, you need to, almost criteria you need to hit okay. to join. Let me, let me tell you why. Go on. I believe they, would have, they, they will end up getting it. Firstly... They they do have um, some things that they produce or some things that they they have running through their country, whether or not legally or illegally, yeah, yeah, like yeah, oil, yeah. Um, that are valuable assets for for Europe. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if we look at Greece, Greece applied for membership and were declined membership because their economic situation did not look that they would be viable members of the EU. They applied again. They got declined again because their economic situation was no better. Less than two years later, they applied again. And suddenly their books were all balanced oh, and everything yeah, yeah. was rosy daisy okay. and they were good to go. And and no one no one in Brussels went, how did they turn their economy around so quickly? Are we sure they didn't fudge the books? Yeah. Went, okay, sure, come aboard. And Okay, that's not the EU's... You could say it's not the EU's fault, but if you're not careful about who you let to, to join your little club or your community or your committee, um, then obviously, you know, you, you're, you're not careful now. What's to say you're going to be careful in the future? There was a lot of backlash when, you know, we were considering the the application from Turkey to join the EU. Yeah. But you got we got declined um, membership to the EEC twice uh, back in the 50s. I think it was the okay. 50s and 60s. So we got declined, we got declined. under. Actually, we got declined under a Labour government and declined under a Conservative government. I think we eventually got through under the con- Conservative government to join the EEC. Um, and to, to be clear, we never voted on joining the, the EU in the state that it is now. No, no we definitely didn't. It's, it's obviously evolved. Yeah, mutated, I'm, should I say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my view generally on where we are now is that if you look at all aspects of our day to day life, i.e., driving to work, when you're at work, socialising, using technology, mm-hmm. certain aspects of our life are so far behind the curve, and politics is one of them. Yeah, 
if you want to represent the will of the people, and I will say the will of the people because I believe it should be the will of the people. Okay. Um, you should make voting. It's cool. I edit this shit. I'll, I'll take that out. <laughs> uh, you should make voting not only as easy as possible and simple as possible. You should also make it mandatory. And in fact, I was speaking to um, one of my students' parents who was telling me that in Australia, it's a, a legal requirement that you vote. Uh, I think you'll get fined if you don't vote. I might be wrong. If, if if you happen to know the consequences for not voting, by all means, enlighten me. But if if it's that important, we should all have to vote on it. It shouldn't be you can have your say. It's you're having your say. And even if it's you can tick a box that says not sure, fine. But you should still have to vote. Okay. What, to me... Like, what difference does that make? Because... First of all, you'll get a true reflection of of the will of the people, i.e. because everyone yeah. will have voted. But I think other things need to change as well. So, for example, we should be able to vote online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, people definitely, say, oh, it's not secure, you've got Russian hackers and this and that. Nah, Come on now. There's definitely things that, 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 um, that uh, need to change and just be modernised, but... My thing with, see, I know, it's so true. Most of my friends who wanted to remain didn't vote. They, and do you know what? I heard that a lot. Yeah. I heard that a lot. A lot of, and a lot, lot of Remainers also went, well, if, if everyone that, that wanted yeah. to remain voted remain, would remain. But well, you, you should have voted me. And to me, that's also part of democracy. It's that choice. I don't, I'm, I'm very, I'm. Okay, but choose not sure. Yeah, main you, leave, you're still sure. you're still having to get your ass off the sofa and go somewhere and do no, it. but you shouldn't because you, oh, should you should be allowed to do it on my phone. You should yeah. be able to do it from okay. your smartphone. Yeah, yeah. I think if they if they if things were more modernised, then I'd say yeah. Um, and you know what? We wouldn't technically need to have nearly as much money spent on government. Oh yeah, as, as we do now. So much money. Um, I've in government for a long time and waste so much money. Yeah, I mean the. The, the voting process isn't that hard. It can be done digitally. Yes, it is open to, to potential manipulation. However, you know, we have massive banking systems that spend billions of pounds on, on technology to help prevent, you know, people breaching their systems. I'm sure we'll be able to access that, that same technology. Yeah, there'll, 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 there'll be plenty of ways. There'll be plenty of ways to make it secure. Um I just, for me, as I said, for, for, for things that I just, I just never really think it's a good way to force people and sometimes okay but sometimes people become become if, if you just have to do something and you don't really care for me one of, one of my experience with with brexit is it's woken a lot of people up it's made a lot it's made a lot of people more engaged in politics and i think if you're sometimes where well, you're forced to do something you're just like oh i don't really care okay not sure not sure not sure and it becomes a waste to vote whereas things like this i think they can be the start of um uh massive changes in mindset i think jay-z said in, in a in a interview quite recently with regards to trump he wasn't saying anything negative about trump he said but this is going to wake a lot of people up this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna um wake up the the like and you're seeing the result of it you're seeing the result of the all the new people like um uh in america who are um applying for 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 whatever they're called over there like Ye, for example, yeah. he's going to run for office. <laughs> I've got to use his new name. Yeah, 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 guess yeah, who. yeah. yeah. so, so I, I do think you do have that kind of stuff. And I, I do think that complacency can set in 
if you just have to vote. I think Taylor Swift's apparently gone into politics as well. Hasn't yeah, she? today she said she she apparently today or yesterday she said her first. Uh, I'm saying today or yesterday. That's on the eighth of October, by the way, not when you actually hear this. Um, uh, yeah, recently she she uh, she um, said something politically, and just said basically, don't vote for this person because of X Y Z. I'm going to vote for this person. Look into oh, who you're voting snap. for first. I th- I'm pretty sure there's certain rules about, or at least there are in the UK, about voting and how you vote and voting influencing and stuff like that. I don't know whether or not she'd be able to do that in the UK. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think one other kind of overhaul that would need to be done along with the technological mm. advancements would be that if you don't understand, you could click a button that says, I don't understand. And it okay. goes, okay, we'll ask you 20 questions, simply worded as possible. Mm. Just click what you what you think, what you like, what your opinion is yeah. out of these options. And then it would lead you to, okay, based on the op- answers to these questions, you would vote leave, you would vote See, remain. See, now that could be manipulated more. I could probably manipulate that. <laughs> How so? That would be able to be manipulated more because the technology that would be involved in asking questions would be... Would, would be um, like you'd get like an algorithm or something. Yeah, that would be more open to abuse than actually just doing a, a standard. A yes, no tick. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, the more questions you do, would would lead things like the 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 the, the, the code would be more complex, yeah. so to speak. And again, that goes that goes back to. But yeah, it could be a, done. A more done. significant uh, political problem is that people don't want to say yes or no in politics. Politicians do not. Okay. Some questions are very nuanced. Yeah, I think Jeremy Corbyn recently was being asked if there was another referendum, how would you vote? And he said, I will vote whichever way the party votes. And he was pushed again, like, okay, but would you vote right, remain or leave? He said, well, I'd have a conversation with the MPs in the party, with all my senior members and all the backbenchers, and then we'd come to a com- conclusion and then we'd vote that way. Okay, but you're not answering my question, Mr. Corbyn. Which way would you... So it's a nuanced question. Yeah, yeah. You'd get a nuanced answer. Yeah. But there are many times that a closed question has been asked to, to MPs and they can't answer it with yes or no. They always answer it with a roundabout yeah, political enough. answer. And I think we're too willing to accept that. I did hear recently that um, there's been a... There was a... I'm trying to remember the term now... It's completely evaded me where you get a load of people together and they all um, put their name down on a on something and then oh god it's such a simple thing and it's evaded my vocabulary oh. I, can't remember. I think I think it's a bloody petition oh okay there was yeah. 10,000 people signed a petition yeah and I think it was from Sky and uh, and now it has to be read out obviously in Parliament if you get 10,000 votes on any petition it, it kind of earns the right to be read in Parliament it's 10, and, it, and it was on being and it was on uh, it was on having televised debates, making it mandatory to have televised debates for for the political process. So there's there is a lot of things that do need to change about our political process. But if we look at the the current situation, what's going on now, where we're moving to, I do think it's better that we have more control of our. And do you know what? I have heard people kind of try and debunk that the, the whole theory of yeah we already have control over our uh, our rules and legislation that gets put in place, but 
working from working in the finance industry and stuff like that looking at the way data protection act is influenced and even do you know what i go on holiday and i'm sure you go on holiday as well bro go on every holiday. so often go on holiday to europe yeah you ever go past the building site Mm, yeah probably yeah ever noticed any guy on a building site ever in your life in Europe wearing a hard hat or a high vis I have not I don't think right. I've them up stuff like that Europeans of, of general I'm sure there's maybe someone listening who, who can maybe find a picture of someone in Spain <laughs> on a building site with a hard hat and a high vis they don't do it as a general I've never seen and even if you go for example we went paintballing and in fact, you didn't come to that paintball thing. With for, for 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 Sunny's birthday. For Sunny's birthday. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you did, you did. So for Sunny's birthday, we weren't paintballing. There was a whole health and safety briefing. You know, this is how it's going to go down. This is the protective gear you're going to wear. Been paintballing in Europe. They're just like, right, there's your stuff. Go at it. And it's stuff like that. We we follow the letter of the law exactly to a T. And I think certain other countries, just in their culture, they're a lot more relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Um. And and it is kind of one of the reasons why we had issues being, or why we have issues part of being part of the EU, is that you have, uh, obviously you've got free movement of people, you get good people and you get bad people. And the crime that you have in France or the crime that you have in Romania is different to the crime that you're used to having here. And the police don't yeah. know how to deal with Romanian crime or whatever. So so there's there's obviously like little issues that we've had like that as well there's ways to so i can't as i said i can't remember exactly what it is but just brief just just as a overview i should know this as well um there was there's something basically if there were there are some rules within the eu and other countries have them in place we never ever put them in place never enacted them um where if you haven't found work after three months right you are able to be removed and sent back home. The same with there's also some similar sort of things around criminality. And there's a lot of rules which would have allowed us to have much more control um, or appear to have much more control because by having those rules, we did actually have the control. We just never used it. Mm. Um, that we never... Uh, we never utilised. We never utilised. Another one is that was also came up a lot in the EU was with regards to the NHS and collecting money back. Yeah. Uh, so came up came up within in the... Not in the EU, sorry, in the part of the debate with regards to the referendum that's another thing we can do we're just not good at it we just don't do it yeah so i don't know if people are aware but if you travel to europe and you use uh, like the the health services in those countries there's a card that you can get it's, it's free you just you, you go on a government website and you, you get this card so when you go abroad if you do have to use the medical services you know i think you i think you'll get it for free or you get it at a much much discounted rate um and then those countries claim that money back from England. And most other countries in the European Union are really good at claiming back their money. Britain is really bad at it. I think I, I think the figure was 86 million in one quarter, which is how much we hadn't wow. claimed back. And that's, that's, that's an example of some of the things I mean. And yet that was one of the things that was um, uh, spoke about during those debates. It was, oh, you know, again... People from the EU coming over here using our NHS, um, you know, stretching the MHS, uh, the NHS to its seams, etc., etc. Um, so I think, and I think this is the case with lots of things that we have issues about. And I, I um, there's, we should blame the government much more than we do. 
I think because the government sometimes seems unreachable, people do blame Starbucks, for Starbucks example, or, for, or Amazon, or Amazon. These or, bastards or don't pay tax. Foreigners or this or that. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think that had something to do. with I've got as well. no time for you if you are whinging about Amazon yeah. or Starbucks oh, I, not paying I've had tax. This with so many people, it's like get over it. Amazon pay all the tax they that pay. they are legally yeah, required to pay. Exactly. The law should be changed yeah. so that they have to pay it. Yeah. Or, or pay more. My thing with that is as well, it's just how it's how, when, when people are talking about that tax and Starbucks and, and all of that, it's a narrative. Like, give the whole picture. Yes, they are paying very little tax. But all of their staff pay income tax. But all of their staff pay income tax. They also pay national insurance, etc., yeah. etc., etc. Et so they are bringing, don't get it twisted, they are contributing to the economy hugely. And actually, this is part of the reason why the tax laws don't get changed. Because, as an example, let's say Amazon employ 100,000 people in this country. Um, that's 100,000 people, not to say that every, all of them are going to claim, but that's 100,000 people that aren't um, claiming benefits. That's 100,000 people who are being um, given a job and paying national insurance and paying income tax and all, and all of that that isn't coming from, from the government's pockets. So with that, that, with that kind of leverage... It's and bringing that much into the economy, it doesn't. The government understands that it doesn't benefit them in the long run to drastically change the tax laws. They make it this stupid argument. They make those big companies the the uh, the scapegoats rather than actually explaining it to people properly, letting people understand. Okay, this is the situation. This is what they're coming in, and this is what they're bringing into the economy, and then being able to have an educated conversation and say, okay, but you should still be paying more tax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Rather than it just being, oh, these companies ain't paying, you know, these this, these really basic arguments about tax and things when it, people, people can be educated. They treat yeah. us like we're stupid too often. The, the thing that I always get as pushback on that is, yeah, but these companies should have like a, a moral standpoint as well. Like it's, it's immoral to dodge paying tax. And I'm like... Yeah you're clearly an employee because if you were self-employed, you had your own yeah, business. Yeah. I'm self-employed. Yeah. You're, you're self-employed, self-employed too, right? Yeah. So being, being smart, being self-employed, like, okay, so, so we both have small businesses. Yeah. At the, at the end of the year, I have to pay whatever I'm due to pay in tax. Yeah. The law says I can minimize that bill. Yeah. As much as I can legally, there's certain things I can write off. Yeah. Now, if my electricity bill comes through and I'm not happy with it, I can change providers to reduce that bill and we're all considered to be smart and savvy shoppers if we do that. If my bank is charging me too much for my banking fees, I can choose to move somewhere else and I'm considered to be a smart person for doing that. If, I get a, if I'm presented with an option of paying £10,000 to Her Majesty's Government or £7,000 to Her Majesty's Government... I'm supposed to pay ten thousand because I'm what I'm. I'm happy with the way that the government is misappropriating the use of, of the money that I give them. If if we just think just just for a second, there is nowhere that you can get a breakdown exactly of what the government spends on X, Y, Z, A, B, C. This percentage of your money goes to this. This there's there's an idea, and we have no control over that as voters 
So why should I be happy to pay as much as possible to an organization who basically threaten violence if I don't pay them? Because if you don't pay your tax, they'll fine you, and you don't pay that, and you don't pay your tax, and then they'll come and put you in prison. They will force you into handcuffs, they'll force you to court, they'll force you to prison. There's, there's violence as far as I'm concerned. So the punishment for not paying a tax that, and again, like this is this goes back to the EU thing. No one voted to say yes to paying tax. It was initiated when Britain was going to war, and the the king at the time said, "We need money for the war fund. We're going to impose these taxes for the war." The war ended. They kept imposing the tax. Now that's pretty much the history of it. So we're we're kind of in that in that same thing now, but. So if if we go kind of we, we've been going off at tangents a little bit, which is kind of what we do a lot of the time when we talk. <laughs> but so if we go back to to what's happening now with the Brexit negotiations, what do you think is the ideal scenario for us when we leave? In terms of, do you think that we should have? Do you think that we deserve to get a free trade deal with the with the EU? Do you think that um, do you think that we should still have some kind of agreement about freedom of movement or? To tell the truth, I like freedom of movement. Of course you do. Because it's easy for me. Um, I do personally. I think you're not getting this. Huh? It makes place. It makes the country more interesting. But that's a personal. That's a personal opinion. You ain't gonna get it. With, <laughs> with like, if I don't get that, I can live with that too. Yeah. I know there's still going to be immigration into this country. I know we're not all of a sudden gonna become you know uh, some random suburbia in Cornwall or something there will be more diverse immigration because we'll, st- we'll still need it yeah no that's cool that's cool um my thing is more of around oh sorry and just to say as well like whether we have a deal or not and this is this is one of the key things that I think people forget Germany is I believe the fourth richest country by GDP we were the fifth, sixth, close with France all the time, always kind of back and forth, fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth with France. Whose stock market is called the CAC, by the way. I should have remembered that because <laughs> it's CAC. Right. <laughs> I think Italy is something like seventh or eighth, possibly ninth. I can't remember. But okay. I think those countries are in the top ten. Um, I, think, I think Italy are in the top ten. My point is, they're our closest partners. Ireland is the easiest country. If you set up a business, you want to expand Ireland because there's such similar laws, is the easiest country for someone to expand their business internationally. So you can go from England to, from the UK to Ireland, right? These things aren't going to change. So Germany still being a powerhouse is still going to need to buy from us. Us still need being a powerhouse is still going to need to do business with them. The same with France, the same with Italy, despite whatever their financial situations, and the same with Ireland. So ultimately, we will, whether it, the deal comes before, what is it, March the 31st, 2019, there will be, like, business will continue. We will um, we will get things sorted eventually. It may just not be immediately. Like, we're not going to stop. And they're, they're our closest partners. They're, our close, they're, they're the closest rich countries to us. It makes sense for us to have a good relationship with them. If, some, if, Europe, if Europe, let's say we leave the EU and the EU goes into a recession, it's going to affect us. If we go into, if we're outside the EU and we have a recession, it's going to affect the EU. Yeah. Like, you know, the trade between the two the two uh, areas is is huge. So it's 
something will come of it. So, I, I mean, I'm not particularly worried if we go over the hypothetical cliff edge or, um, or obviously having some sort of deal will yeah. be good. I don't think it will, I don't think the deal is going to include free movement of people. And personally, um, even though I like that, and I think it's much more exciting. I live in London. I lived in central London for, well, I've just moved out, but I lived in central London for like the last eight years. So my experience of diversity may be different to other people's, you know, living in zone one. But um, ultimately, I, this is what I've been saying to people, basically. 10 years ago, we went through the financial crash. Mm-hmm. Okay. That affected a lot of people. We've come out of it the other side. Not and, really, but yeah. Yeah, but it's we're, we're in a better yeah. position. Night, late nineteen, uh, early in around nineteen ninety, we had a massive uh, recession. Yeah, housing market collapse. Housing market collapse. Interest rates are crazy. The same as um, uh, what was it? Nineteen eighties, end of the seventies, with all the uh, union strikes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Margaret we, Thatcher. Yeah, we go through shit and we get through it. Yeah, I don't think. Everything that's been presented to me, I'm not an expert. We don't like experts anyway, apparently. But we're not. I'm not an expert. But all the stuff that I've seen, all the stuff that's been spoken about, we're not. We, 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 we've gone through financial strife and we come out of it. Like we've, yeah. we've 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 done it recently, ten years ago, twenty years before that. You know, it's yeah. a regular thing. You know, there's always recessions, and that's kind of how I look at it. It's like there'll be a dip for a few years. Yeah, I prefer there not to be, obviously, mm. but. So in terms of, uh, just to give some stats to, to back up what you're saying about the um, the GDP figures. So from statisticstimes.com, uh, United States GDP is 20 trillion. They're at the top, mm-hmm. 20.4. Uh, is this in GBP or pounds? Or US, sorry. Uh, I'm assuming it's in US dollars, considering that's like the the global kind of currency. Okay. Um, it, it Let me just double check. It doesn't actually say. Okay. So I'm just going to go with that as an okay. assumption. Uh, so United States, 20 trillion. China, 14 trillion. Yeah. Japan, 5 trillion. Yeah. Germany, 4.2. We should be about 3 point something. United Kingdom. This is, sorry, this is projected yeah, GDP okay. for 2018. Um, and ours is, oh God, it's just changed. Yeah, ours is 2.9. Okay. Uh, France is is also two point nine. So to to give yeah. it, it's literally like that's 10, yeah. That's that's that was that was what I, my yeah. my understanding was. Maybe like ten billion behind us. Yeah, Britain and France are very close, yeah. and there's been a few years where yeah. France has been slightly ahead. In. And yeah. then uh, and then you've got India at two point eight, mm-hmm. Italy two point one, so Brazil two point one. So Italy are just so. Is that seven eighth? One two three four four six seven eight. Just yeah. underneath India. Oh, I'm pretty good. Now, I'm pretty good. So, so India is part of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. We we have the opportunity to trade more with India. Now, I know right. obviously there's a geographical thing as well. It's not only a geographical thing. Also, it's it's easy enough to talk about GDP, but if you look at the per capita, yeah, like per head, India's population is like 1.4 billion. Yep. And what would you say? theirs was 2.8. The GDP is two point eight across one point. Yeah, GDP is two point eight across one point like three trillion, and then Italy's is two point one across. Uh, let's have a look. What's the? What do you reckon is the, the population of Italy? Uh, I think it's about fifty, about fifty million. I think. Okay, well, let's let's see what Wikipedia has to say. Yeah, about it. so that's my point. Like with some of the Commonwealth countries, when these numbers sixty. Are, okay, so when these numbers are spoken about. 
they they um it's easy to, numbers yeah. are so easy to skew of course That's what I mean. per person the population of india is going to be the gdp is greater than than italy's but per head yeah they're going to be a lot poorer although india's uh india's got a lot more potential growth definitely than definitely that's the thing it's such a nuanced thing like okay Italy is geographically closer Mm. they have a higher GDP per capita so you know it it makes sense that we should deal with them as it stands right now however India while going through a lot of political change right now has still got the potential to massively increase its GDP especially because they've got such higher workforce and we would have better trade relations with them as well I mean we have, since the Second World War, we've had, you know, a lot of migration from India, and generally Britain has a half decent relationship with India. Yeah. Um, they even apologised. I believe David Cameron even apologised for some uh, past atrocities, didn't he? Did he commit them? No, he didn't personally. Oh, but did on, <laughs> on the behalf, on behalf of, on behalf of the Churchill United Kingdom. Or someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? That's, that's one thing that always gets me is when, and I think it's a very British thing, yeah. that we apologise for stuff that we're not actually sorry for. So when uh, like when my mum passed away and someone would ask, oh, how's your mum? Oh, she, she passed away, unfortunately. They'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I would knee-jerk turn to that person <laughs> and go, why are you sorry? What yeah. did you do? <laughs> How, you, were you part of this? And it, it's obviously awkward. part of my dark sense of humour yeah. and people find it really awkward, but yeah. I'm like, why are you saying sorry? You didn't kill my mum. Yeah. You know. Okay. You could say I'm really, I'm really sad to hear that. Yeah. Because it is obviously depressing news to hear that someone's passed away. Yeah. But, but in Britain we apologise so much. We do. We do. And now we got to apologise for leaving Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that I I watched a video um, that actually the Conservatives released or Theresa May released. It was actually on Facebook oh. about the nuts and bolts of the the agreement that she was trying to reach with Brussels. And she basically said that she wanted a soft border with Ireland. So Ireland already has a soft border between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. Yeah. And I know this because not long ago I drove from Belfast to Dublin. Yeah. Um, and they said that they're going to have a, a soft border between Ireland and the UK which I find a bit interesting because if you've got a soft border between Ireland and the UK, why would you then have a hard border between, let's say, England and France? If you've, if let's say, for example, you've managed to obtain um, like a legal status as a, as a migrant in Europe and you're in Germany, for example, yeah. but you want to come to the UK, mm. all you've got to do is fly, uh, fly to Ireland first and then you're not going to get checked on your way back over. Um, but that's that's one of the things that she wanted. Another thing that she wanted was uh, more stringent control over our fishing grounds, yeah. which in recent news has been quite, um, let's say, turbulent. Apparently, there's been like military called out as uh, boats, English vessels and French vessels have been ramming each other. Oh, shit. Of, yeah, it's been like wow. <laughs> ship wars. Ship wars, yeah, for real. These guys, like literally trawlers ramming into yeah. each other over, over fishing grounds. Well, fish. Um, <laughs> Apparent, obviously, Britain's an island, so yeah. we are surrounded by fishing grounds, whereas mm. other countries don't have quite as significant opportunities. So a lot of the complaints that you got from fishermen was that uh, fish, fishing vessels from 
Denmark, Norway, uh, like uh, Sweden. No, not Sweden. Switzerland. Switzerland. Sweden. I don't know. Sweden, maybe. I think. So. Anyway, yeah, Sweden. Yeah. They've been they've been coming over and and trawling like the the English Channel and grounds that really the the English trawlers should be taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. Obviously, if you're part of the European Union, then you you're allowed to trawl wherever you want within Europe. Now that we're leaving. Obviously, Britain wants control back of that, and that is quite a significant asset that we have. Um, and Europe do not want that. They want open fishing grounds, which obviously, if if a country is leaving your 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 union, mm-hmm. you're going to want to get the best deal you can for your union. Yeah. Just like if you're leaving the union, you want the best deal for your country. Yeah, of course. So I I don't know what Theresa May can do because the EU from my perspective are being quite hard nosed about this situation like they really don't want to give ground on anything I think the EU are just playing just leaving things till the last minute because we're in such turmoil imagine imagine this right if we're saying if we've got half the politicians over here pushing for saying if we don't get a good deal then we should have another vote there's no incentive for them to give us a good deal because then it goes back to another vote and there's a chance that we may um, then stay and then they don't have to do nothing. And in fact, if we do end up staying, we probably end up with less power in the weaken your position, of course. So it doesn't make sense for them. So I do like the fact that now Theresa May and Dominic Raab seem to be playing a bit more hardball. I think today there was a report of Theresa May basically saying she ain't giving them the 39 billion divorce settlement and things like that, which I think we need to do because we need to now start saying um, uh, we need to get something from this. As I said, I, I, I voted to, to remain, but the point is we're in the situation we're, we're in and I'm British, so ultimately I want the British to come off um, in a decent standing. Now, with regards to the EU playing hardball, like... What they there's I kind of get what they've said when they've said like there's you guys left you guys sort things out I kind of get that and I, I to a point where you said yeah they're laughing at us in Brussels I agree but ultimately business will need to go on so there's a lot of big businesses in Germany and France that will ultimately when push comes to shove will have influence. I don't think we're going to have to get there. I think they will sort something out. Apparently today, again, 90% of the deal, whatever. I think they'll sort something out because they know they have to, Hmm. ultimately. I think they've been trying their luck as much as possible, um, pissing us off over here, um, by acting acting stubborn. But ultimately, it benefits... Not saying who it benefits more, but no one wants to lose. If you're going to lose... If you're going to lose... um, If you're going to lose... Ten pound, you're going to lose ten pound. You don't want to then lose fifty pound when all you need to lose is ten pound. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's and that that's what they're going to do. Yeah, there's going to be a loss from it, but they're not going to try and make that loss deliberately bigger. That's mm. that 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 falls into stupidity. Then that's not just being stubborn. That falls into stupidity. Um, hopefully, anyway, I say wishful thinking, um, but I can't see I can't see them doing that. Yeah, I mean. My uh, my tip, I guess, for for anyone who's concerned about Brexit was, or is, 
make sure that you're currently in a position where you're saving up because the the one thing having looked at or worked in finance previously is that bad news is good times yeah so if yeah. you're if you're investing I'll, to to give you an example um i think it was 2014 the tsunami that hit indonesia okay and uh wiped out uh, obviously had an impact on fukushima the nuclear plant was it Fukushima? Okay. That yeah, was the, in Japan. The, yeah. The, yeah. The tsunami in Japan. Yeah. 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 Um, I spoke to someone at the time who, as soon as we were talking about it, said, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at construction companies in Japan to invest in. And it's it's very cold-hearted, obviously, to, to just think, oh, I can make some money off this. But obviously, following devastation, there will be construction. There will be, you know, people building. Yeah. So... Um, and weirdly enough, I was—I actually said to you guys last week, when Elon Musk was fined by the SEC and told to step down as chairman of Tesla. Yeah. I said I'm going to try and buy shares in Tesla first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, I actually missed my window of opportunity, um, because I was I was at work and the price went up by 16%, and it was it was really silly of me because I could have put in, um, I could have put in an order to to place the trade as soon as the market opened. Yeah. And I should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, of course I'd have made sixteen percent in a day, uh, which you can't make that in three years on or five years even on any savings account yeah, in the UK. Yeah. So, if you're if you're in a position if you're you're young and you're looking to to see you know what can you do for the future, well save as much as you can. If you're not already saving, you're probably too late. Um, but save whatever you can. I think um, we need to. I think one of our next podcasts should be about finance. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of people we can give a lot of advice to. What was, what was that thing Jay-Z said? You know what's better than... I was going to try and do my Jay-Z voice there, but I won't. What is it? You know what's better than uh, flashing out the ones in the strip club? Good credit. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And do you know something what? Something like that anyway. Um, yeah, I think I said something to you once that stuck for a while, which was um, uh, about the the culture of giving change oh yeah yeah the penny yeah yeah i said uh you know if you charge if you get charged 99p in a shop yeah you you'll say keep the change if you give them a pound yeah. but an indian person will always say oh, or they'll, they'll always take the change yeah and uh, and it from from my experience having spoken to people at asian background was for every pound that you earn you've earned one pound thirty so why are you giving away the extra pennies? Because you, you're just taking away more. Because yeah, yeah. obviously, when you your your one pound that you've got in your pocket, yeah, the government took twenty percent tax. Yeah, they took true. like eleven yeah. percent national insurance. Yeah. And in fact, the thing that you've purchased that cost you a pound, the shopkeeper only gets eighty p of that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think what you said was like in some other cultures, like you know, like we'll be really polite as British people, and if they say, "Oh, I haven't got no, I'm out, I'm out of pennies," if some, we gave them a pound. Mm. And something cost 99p and they said, oh, I'm out of pennies. As British people will often say, oh, don't worry, just keep the change. But other cultures will say, okay, well, give me 2p. Yeah. Sort of thing. And it, that really, really stuck with me. And I, I've actually done that several times since. You've been making them pennies, boy. You've been making them pennies. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you've, let's say, if, if you don't necessarily agree with, with something that we've said, by all means, hit us up uh, at NGA Podcasts. Um, if you think maybe we should get an expert who actually knows what they're talking about, or maybe you are an expert and you do know what you're talking about, you want to come and enlighten us, or you've got a different opinion on Brexit, then by all means hit us up at NGA Podcast on Instagram. Um, 
But I think that's pretty much it for... for nearly, for one, nearly. What, what, else, what else are you thinking? What I'm thinking is, to keep with tradition, you got to think oh. of a old school movie... Do you know throwback what? song I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you give yours okay I need to think of mine okay so I was driving the other day and there was there was a uh, a playlist uh, that come on Spotify it's 90s R&B and the first track on there is gonna be my throwback track for today it was Nobody by Keith Sweat um, if you know that tune that's a proper love making tune okay um, and my throwback film oh what's the one called ah oh, so I only saw this film recently so I told my girlfriend I hadn't seen this film and she was like what so she took me to one of these niche cinemas and um, they were showing it it was a really old film Casablanca okay yeah yeah mate a lot of film you know we were talking the other week about films from the 80s that don't really stand the test of time when you watch them now Casablanca was sick and the, the, the impressive thing about it was knowing it's so old you can see and obviously it's a classic you could see how many films since have been influenced by it and copied it yeah um, yeah and it was there was like there were people in that film that had bars like the, the way they were and some of the things that were coming out I was like proper laughing and I was just like wow that guy's smooth sort of thing so I'll, I'll hand that over to you well, okay. here's looking at you kid <laughs> So um, the the song that it's a, it's a really obscure song. So it's called Cocktails. For the life of me, I can't remember who sang it, but it was on Trevor Nelson's The Lick Volume One. That is some <laughs> old school. The Lick. Oh shit! I remember they used to do the Lick parties. Yeah. No, that that was a The from, Matrix in Reading. Yeah. So I I love that song. I don't know why. It was just um. The, the word play was really kind of cool. It was like, can I serve you? Yes, you can. I'll have a Latin liqueur, not a Pamela Ann. We drink till we junk and we do it again. So yeah, that song, uh, even now, when I think of it, I'm like, oh man, that tune just yeah, had yeah. me, had me so back in the day. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my song. The movie, I'm just trying to double check the name of it because I was actually looking at, um, I was looking at another film and I can't for the life of me for oh there it is there it is it's a 1995 film Sigourney Weaver I'll, I'll give you some some info okay. on it and see if okay. you can see All if right, you go on. so it's got uh, it's got Sigourney Weaver in it yeah and she's like a a criminal analyst she's okay. a like a almost like a criminal psychiatrist I think it is why so it says uh, uh, do you know uh, uh, she yeah so she's a, a psychologist who has studied several serial killers. Right. Uh, but in this case, in which the crime scene modelled on work of infamous deviants is grimmer than most, and with the help of two... Uh, I feel like I, know, I can't think. It ain't Ghostbusters, I know that, and it ain't well, aliens. Well, hell no. So this is actually, for me, this was like one of Sigourney Weaver's... I'm tempted to say it's her best film. I think it's better than Aliens. It's called Copycat, and it kind of went... Under the radar, I think. Who else is in that? Uh, so if I look up cast, uh, Holly Hunter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to think what I else think Holly I'm Hunter not... did. Back in day, movies wise. Uh, Raising Arizona was that Holly Hunter? Yeah, it was. 
Raising Arizona was a classic. Classic, yeah. You Nicolas Cage well. and, and, and Holly Hunter. Yeah, you shouldn't have shouted that one out. Do you know what? So many people haven't seen that movie as well. I used to love that. Yeah, that was a, a great... Uh, Dermot Mulroney? No. Who was in... Oh, he was in Friends and stuff and uh, Young Guns. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. But it was it was a great film back in the day. So, yeah, that's my... So, my movie is Copycat. My song is Cocktails. My movie is Casablanca. And my song is Nobody by Keith Sweat. And this has been episode... Number three. Where we tried our best to break down Brexit. Uh, we didn't really disagree on too much, though. No. Maybe... No, we we'll, do you know what, guys? Next, next week... I think between to, between yeah. now and next week, we'll, we'll find a topic yeah. that me and you will have a fight over. Yeah, yeah. Send us, send, give us some, give us some controversial suggest suggestions. Yeah. Give us some controversial suggestions, and um, yeah. And nothing silly like which cars better, Audis or BMWs? Because obviously Audis. What the hell? No, I agree. Actually, I agree. <laughs> we both happen to have Audis. Actually, I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this has been episode three. By all means, uh, yeah, hit us up on NGA Podcasts on uh, Instagram if you've uh, if you've got any suggestions or things you want us to, to cover off next week. Uh, next week, we will be doing a, a current events show and then the week after, we'll do a, a finance show. Yeah. Uh, that is unless, of course, we manage to get a, a guest that we can go over the whole gender debate with. Yeah, so, or, or you guys out there suggest uh, something that we think should take precedent. Yeah, man. So yeah, I'm Lewis. I'm Denny. And we're out. Peace.